Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations have made, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you, just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Our next reading is uh, Hebrews 10, verses uh, 19 to 25. And that can be found on page 1039. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, our verse for the term is Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and, and faithfulness. And that's our, our word for tonight. God is faithful. God is faithful. One of my favorite, I could, you guess you say, mod, more modern hymns. Uh, it goes like this. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Never changes. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. All as, as thou hast been, thou forever will be. And how does the chorus go? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. You can join in. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. 
Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. It's the most beautiful hymn. You may not know it's written by a guy called Thomas Chisholm in 1923. Uh, he was a pastor. And he sat down one day to look back on his life. And, and his life was one of sadness, sickness, suffering, disappointment, being let down by people and being let down by the church. And he sat down to write this hymn. He, he didn't write a hymn of complaint, a hymn of grumbling. As he thought about God, the first thing that came into his mind was, God is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. And that, that hymn from 1923, it sat in obscurity for about 30 years until the 1950s, a man called Billy Graham discovered it and used it in his crusades. I'm so thankful he did because it is a profoundly beautiful and wonderful hymn because God's faithfulness, you know, God's faithfulness is one of God's most beautiful, beautiful attributes. Exodus 34 the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 117, the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. It never changes, never stops, never runs out. And we just had Hebrews 10 read to us. It says this, let's hold unswervingly to the hope. Let's stand firm in this hope, this hope of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, this hope of having access to God, we stand firm in that. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5, the one who called you is faithful and he will do it. The word, the word faithful is the word emet. It literally means truth or trustworthy. It's where you get the word amen from in our prayers. And faithful is a beautiful word. It, it means that, that God is Utterly, utterly reliable. God is constant. God doesn't change. God is consistent in his character. God is loyal to his people and loyal to his promises. God is trustworthy and true. It's a beautiful word. God is faithful. My fear is that that word faithful is a foreign word to us, or it's a triggering word. Because let's be honest, we live in a world of unfaithfulness. We live in a world where people let us down and people are not reliable. We live in a world where loved ones fail you. And you may be here tonight and that word faithful is triggering for you. Maybe as a child, you learned from a very early age that people were unreliable and you couldn't trust anybody. Maybe your parents consistently said one thing and did another. Maybe your parents walked out and abandoned you and you learned from a very early age that those people who should be reliable were unreliable. Or maybe you, as a teenager you had these friendships. Remember those teenage friendships where you told them everything and then they walked away? And they abandoned you. They didn't show up. They didn't turn up when you needed them. And maybe you learned that, that friendships don't last. I, I think often we think that we treat our friendships a, a bit like our iPhones or our computers, a, a shelf life of three or four years, and then move on to the next thing. Or maybe 
It was romantic. Maybe it was a boyfriend or girlfriend that you had plans to, to marry, and then they walked away. Maybe it was a spouse, a spouse who made promises that they did not keep, and they treated you badly. Maybe a work colleague who is one thing one day, kind and caring one day, and then the next day he's cold and angry. You're thinking, what happened? We're just surrounded by unreliable people and unfaithful people and people who let you down. And if that is you tonight, can I, can I say, please don't see God like that. Please think of those people in your life who have been as humanly possible faithful. Think, I think of a friend of mine who, who stuck by me when I was, I was very unpleasant to hang around. And the person who picked up the phone even though it was inconvenient to them. And I think of the other friend in my life who actually kept their word and came to sat with me and cried when I needed them most. And I'm thankful for those people because they gave me a window on, on God's faithfulness. They weren't perfect, but they were reliable. Uh, faithfulness is a beautiful, beautiful word. John Mark Comer says this. It's quite telling for our church and for our age. He says, when life gets hard, so many of us just bail. When it's no longer easy or fun or novel, when it gets difficult or uncomfortable or boring, we just leave. We leave jobs, cities, churches, friendships, marriages. We, we just cut ties and move on. We're a generation raised on text messaging, making flakiness easier than ever before. Well, God is not like that. God is not like that. God is the only person in your life who will never let you down. God is the only person in your life who will be consistent and constant and totally reliable. God is the only person in your life who doesn't change, who doesn't fail you, because he's not like us. On your screens is number 23. It says, God is not human that he should lie. He always tells the truth. He's not a human being that he should change his mind, one thing one day, another thing the next. Does God speak and then not act? Of course he doesn't. Does God promise and not fulfill? Of course he doesn't. No matter what you've experienced from people, please believe that God is faithful. In the midst of a most heartbreaking crisis, God is still faithful. In the midst of chaos, God is still faithful. When you are asking and seeking and knocking, as God asks you to do, but you're not being answered, he is still faithful. Whatever happens, God will still be God, and God can still be trusted. There's a story of a missionary called Gladys Allwood, and she was in in China around World War II time, and, uh, and the Japanese attacks, and she fled overnight. She took a hundred orphans with her, and, and they escaped to the hillside, to the mountainside. The following morning, she is panicking. How are these people, all these kids, going to be safe? How are they going to escape? And this 13-year-old girl who is an orphan, she says to Gladys, remember that story of, of God parting the Red Sea and, and God using Moses to part the Red Sea? And Gladys says to the girl, I'm not Moses. I'm not Moses. I can't do this. 
And a 13-year-old girl says, no, of course you're not Moses. Don't be so stupid. But God is still God. God is still God, and God has not changed. And maybe you need to hear that tonight. Whatever you're going through, God is still God, and God has not changed. Here's the comfort. The, the comfort of God's character is unchanging. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, the next day, and forevermore. Malachi 3, verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. That's the comfort. He's not like us. We are inconsistent in our character. If, if you know me, one day I can be happy, warm, compassionate, and then a few days later I can be irritable and a bit distant and a bit cold. You're thinking, what just happened? I'm probably hungry, I'm probably tired, or I'm probably both of those things. But, but God's not like that. His, his character never, ever wavers. Remember our verse for the term, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abandoned in love and faithfulness. And I hope you realize that this is God's self-revelation. This is not words that human beings came up with to describe what they would like God to be like. This is what God describes himself as. The context is that, that Moses has just been pleading with God, show me your glory. And God says, no, you can't see my glory. No one can see my glory and live. But I cause all my goodness to pass by. And so God's goodness passes by, and God reveals himself to be the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abandoning love and faithful God. That is so important because it's not what you would like God to be like. This is how God describes himself. He, he doesn't describe himself as angry, volatile, distant, and dictatorial. He says, I'm a good father, ever-present, patient, accessible, caring deeply, quick to forgive, and slow to anger. There's a key word in the word faithfulness, and the word, is, the word is always. You could add God is always compassionate. In every circumstances, he is compassionate. Remember that word compassionate means that, that, that deep-seated, gut-wrenching uh, concern for a person, that ache to help a person. That is, that is God all the time. Every second, he's always compassionate. So, so when you are harassed and helpless, as Jesus says, when you're broken and burdened and, and wearied and worrisome, God's heart is compassionate. That hasn't changed. And maybe you're here tonight and you're broken and burdened. Well, we'll run to him, find refuge in him, and you will experience compassion. God is always gracious. It wasn't just that God was gracious to you when you first became a Christian. He, he's gracious to you every single day. And every day when you, you come back to God, you say, I've stuffed up again, God, I've stuffed up again, you are forgiven fully, freely by the blood of Jesus. God is always, always slow to anger. Remember that word means he's long-nostrilled. He, he takes a long, 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 long time for his anger to flare up. And, and so, so when you are not becoming more like Christ at the the pace that other people would like you to, or, or you would like to, then God is patient with you. That, that doesn't change. Abounding in love, that hesed love, that steadfast, loyal love. I could go on. God is always kind. He's always merciful. He's always good. And here's the thing. God is all these things all the time. It's not that 
2023, God will be gracious. In 2024, God will be compassionate. In 2025, God might be patient with me. And he's all these things all the time. And you're only going to experience this comfort if you actually know the character of God. That's why we're doing this sermon series, to help you to know who God really is. You know, the the, uh, National uh, Geographic did a, a survey of of animals, and they were surveying how long their memories lasted. And the average memory span for an animal was 27 seconds. 27 seconds, in in one ear, out the other. And I sometimes think that we Christians are a bit like that. You hear about God's compassion, it sounds wonderful, you just forget it. You hear about God's grace, you, you think it's wonderful, you just forget it. Uh, maybe you need to actually meditate on, on who God is, who God has revealed himself. Maybe, maybe memorize scripture like, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, surely your love and your, your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Maybe uh, God is my strength and refuge and ever-present help in times of trouble. The more that you know scripture, the more that you know who God is in those seasons where you are struggling in the storms of life, you will know that God has not changed. And you learn to look at life through this lens. Oh, yeah, that's God's compassion. That's God's grace. That's God's kindness. It might be a person he puts in your path. It might be a text message you receive. It might be when you come to church and there's a song that, with the lyrics, you just need to hear that night. But you start to look at every part of life as, oh, yeah, God is constant in his character. He's just reminding me who he is. This is a massive comfort. It will change your Christian life. It's not just a, a comfort, it's a confidence. A, a, a confidence that God's promises are always true. God is true to his word. God says what he means and he means what he says. Uh, Psalm 34 says this, For the word of the Lord is right and it's true. God is faithful in all he does. Every word in Scripture is true. Every promise that God has made, he will keep because he's faithful. And I find that liberating because when I come to the Bible to read the Bible, I'm not second-guessing what God is trying to say. There's no miscommunication like in human relationships. There's no trying to listen to the tone or work out the motivation. This is just plain word of God. This is scripture, it's God breathed, and this is the word of the Lord. So please church, when you you come to church, don't come sitting over the word and judging the word. Don't come hearing the word read thinking, well I don't like that, or I'll twist that and I'll manipulate that. We come humbly, don't we? humbly under the Word of God, soaking ourselves in the Word, devouring the Word, delighting in the Word, because this is true. This is the truth. And God is faithful to it. Remember the illustration of the the, the man who drives to Kiribati every Sunday night at, let's say, oh, 6.55, and pulls up, up outside church and actually then walks next door to the restaurant. And walks in and sits down at 7 o'clock and they say, oh, what would you like? He says, oh, I don't care. Just bring me some food. 
And so they bring a plate of food, and he said, actually, I can't be bothered to feed myself. Could you just feed me? And so he sits there, and they just shovel the food down his throat. And he goes home and eats nothing for seven days. Then drives back the following Sunday at five to seven and walks into the restaurant and says, feed me. And eats nothing. And week after week, every single week, just drives to the same restaurant and says to the, the waiter, just feed me, feed me anything. And you say, that, that guy, he needs to learn to feed himself. And I fear that many Christians are like that. They, they drive up and they walk into church every Sunday night and they just sit there going, just feed me. And you, you don't actually open the word of God yourself. Day in, day out, week in. And you're not learning to feed yourself the word of God. And then we wonder why we're not standing firm in these promises. because We just don't know the word. And I, I love the people who walk into church with, with, with a, a, a ragged Bible. You've seen those people? And, and it's so well-thumbed and there's bits underlined and circled and question marks. And you think, there is somebody who's devouring the word of God. And so when the trials come, they stand firm. They're confident because they know the word of God. If we're going to claim that God is faithful, we need to, need to know what he's faithful to, don't we? And he's faithful to his word. And every promise God has made, he will keep. Isn't that remarkable? Now, I don't know about you, but I often make a promise. I tell somebody I'm going to do something. And sometimes, you know, I, I make a promise, and as soon as I made it, I think, why did I say that? Because I can't actually possibly, humanly speaking, keep it. Or sometimes I promise something and I just, I just fail to keep it. But when God makes a promise, he not only keeps it, but he keeps it perfectly in his perfect timing. Remember back in Genesis when God promised Abraham. Remember that story? God promised Abraham that he'd have as many descendants as the stars in the sky. It's a crazy, outrageous, impossible, stupid promise. Because Abraham's 75 years old and Sarah, his wife, is 65 years old and they can't have children. But we're told that Abraham believed God. He took him at his word and it, it was messy. It took, it took 25 years for God to keep that promise. It wasn't quick. And it, it was pretty ugly because Sarah decided that she should take things into her hands and get Abraham to sleep with Hagar. Remember that story? But God came through. Of course he did, because he made a promise. And again, I wonder whether we're not standing firm, we don't have confidence because we don't know what God has promised us. Here are some of the promises. God has promised you pardon. He'll keep that. He's faithful to that. Justin quoted 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, God is faithful. God is reliable. God is trustworthy, and he is just. And he will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise. God has promised you that Jesus Christ paid for your sins once for all at that cross. God has promised you that when you come to him with repentance and faith, he has fully forgiven you, and it's free of charge. It's not like being promised the, you know, the, the perfect body. You've been promised you can get the perfect body, the, the catch is you have to go to the gym three times a week and never eat hot chips every day for the rest of your life. There's no catch with this. Come to Jesus, confess your sins, and he will forgive you. He will purify you. 
Uh, Martin Luther had a dream one night, and he dreamt that he was being attacked by Satan and accused by Satan. And in his dream, Satan's coming up to Martin Luther with this long, 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 long list of all this stuff that he's done wrong and all the ways he's offended God. And in Martin Luther's dream, he says, yeah, that's right. I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that, and I did that. And he turns to Satan and says, now, now right over every single one of those, covered by the blood of Jesus, forgiven by the blood of Jesus. This is a promise that God is going to be faithful to. There is nothing that you've ever done, past, present, or future, that God has not pardoned you for in the blood of Jesus. Believe that. Trust that. He's promised you his provision. God will be faithful. Philippians 4, verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All your needs, not your wants. He may not do it exactly the way you want him to or his timing may be different to your timing. He may not do things the way that you understand now or perhaps ever, but God will meet all of your needs. In Matthew chapter 6, it talks about anxiety and and Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. The birds, well, God feeds them every day. God provides for them every day. And if, you're, if God can provide for them, if your heavenly Father can provide for them, can he not also provide for you? What I love about that is that was your heavenly Father. Because he's not the heavenly Father of the birds. He's their creator. He's their God. He's not the heavenly Father. But he's your heavenly Father. You're his child. And so if he can provide for the birds, of course he can provide for you. You need to live by that and believe that. There's a man called James Spurgeon, famous surname. He's the grandfather of Charles Spurgeon. And he was a pastor too. But he was extremely poor. And his entire family relied on one cow for their milk for the entire family. And then the cow died. And the pastor's wife said, well, that's it. That's it. God will not provide. And, and James said, of course God's going to provide. Of course God will provide. He's promised to. He is faithful. And unbeknownst to James Spurgeon, in a different part of London, a group of Christian, wealthy Christian people were meeting to decide which poor pastors they could bless. Had a large sum of money, and they went through this list of pastors. Uh, we'll bless him, we'll bless him, we'll bless him, we'll bless him. And they came to their last five pounds. And someone said, oh, i heard of this guy called James Spurgeon. I've never met him, but I've heard of him. Maybe we should give some money to him. And they said, oh, not five pounds. Let's give 10 pounds. Not 10 pounds. Let's give 15. Not, not 15. Let's give 20. Not, not tw let's give 25. Now, 25 pounds in those days is like $100,000. And two days later, James Spurgeon receives 25 pounds. That is God's rich provision. And I can testify to that. God has met all my needs. He's often made me sweat. He's made me wait. He's made me depend on him. But I've never gone without. Not, not just financially or materially, but emotionally and spiritually. What about the promise of God's presence? As I him say, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. This is a hard one for me. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. 
Because let's be honest, in a Christian life, there are times where we say, where are you, God? Have you left me, God? What are you doing, God? There's that story of the young boy who is flying a kite high in the sky, and, and the kite goes behind some clouds, and, and this man comes up and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm flying a kite. He says, I can't see a kite. Where's the kite? And the boy says, it's behind the clouds. How do you know it's there, he says. He said, I, I can't see it, but, but I know it's still there because occasionally I, I just feel these tugs on these strings. And that, for me, is the truth about God. There are days when I go, God, where are you? What are you doing? And then suddenly I get a tug on the string. It might, it might be a verse of Scripture. It, it might be a, a worship song. It, it might be just somebody who comes across my path who reminds me that God has not left me. He's still there. He still cares. Never doubt the presence of God. He is faithful. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I could go on. The promise of God's plans. But let me ask you, what, what is God's plan for your life? What has God promised you? What is his plan for your life? Oh, he's got a plan. He's got a plan as to where you'll live and what job you will do. He knows all that stuff, but he doesn't tell you yet. But this is his big plan. His big plan is that you are... You're sanctified, 1 Thessalonians 4. His will is that you're sanctified, that his plan for your life is to, to make you and to shape you more like Jesus, ready to meet him. That's, that's his plan for your life, and he's faithful to that. He will keep that promise. 1 Thessalonians 5, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, make you holy through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. Uh, next slide, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He will keep you, keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the God who, who called you will keep you. The God who won you will sanctify you. God is not a God who starts things and doesn't finish them. God didn't start creation and then stop halfway. God didn't go to Calvary, get halfway there, think, oh, I think that's done. He said, it's finished, it's done. And so you can be utterly confident God is faithful to that promise to hold on to you, to sanctify you, and to take you to glory. I could keep going on, but I'm running out of time. There's so many promises in the Bible. And you've got to believe them and live them and breathe them because God is true to his word. Stand on those promises. Friends will fail you, but God is faithful. Family will fail you, but God is faithful. Feelings will fail you, but God is faithful. And sometimes your faith wobbles, doesn't it? But God says this, 2, 2 Timothy 3, if we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So when we're living in fear like the disciples did, when we are lacking faith like Peter did, God will still be faithful. That's the comfort, God's character unchanging, the, the confidence that his, his word, his promises are true. But here's the challenge, here's the call. We are called to be faithful because God is faithful. Mother Teresa says we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. Maybe that is the word for learn or sure. You are not called to be successful but you are called to be faithful. 
You're called to be consistent in your character. We're called to be the same people, regardless of our circumstances. The same people in the office, the same people in your home, the same people in your friendship groups, the same people at church. You're consistent. You don't change. You're called to be somebody who's reliable, who's trustworthy, whose actions match their words, who we do what we say and we are who we claim to be. I'm always struck by Daniel. Daniel 6 says this, the administrators tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were not able to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was faithful and neither corrupt nor negligent. They put a a magnified glass over his life and they could find no dirt on Daniel because he was faithful and reliable and trustworthy and true. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people were attracted to our church and to Christ? Because it's all in us, his children, people who are faithful. And when they say, gosh, you're so different, you're, you're reliable, you're consistent, why are you like that? You can say it's only because God is faithful and I'm his child. I don't know whether people have let you down. I'm sorry if they have. I'm sure I've let you down. And I'm sorry that I have. But we're not God. God will never let you down. God is consistent. God is reliable. Because he is faithful. We pray. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. All we have needed, your hand hath provided, God. So we say, great is your faithfulness, Lord, and to each one of us here. In Jesus' name.